I will get to these in a minute. First time using a prop in my preaching. So good morning. Good morning to our viewers online as well. Um, I have a theory, and it's just a theory, um, that while our bodies may be one age, our soul can appear to be another. Um, for instance, I've met children, I've met teenagers uh, who had wisdom beyond their years. Like, like their soul felt way older than their biological age. Um, they might be a child or a teenager, but like their soul felt like it was 60 years old. Like anyone ever see that? It's kind of fascinating. Like an old soul and a young kid. And then there's the opposite. Um, for instance, uh, I may be about to turn 51 next month, but I'm pretty sure my soul is 13. My family sees this the most. Um, you may not see it at church, but I can be pretty silly. Uh, I can be goofy. I can be playful. Um, my office at home has theology books. It has biblical commentaries, uh, but it also has action figures and uh, comic books and Legos. Um, and I have a green lantern lantern. You are not a real nerd unless you have a Green Lantern lantern. Uh, and I have a 1989 Godzilla vinyl bank. Uh, well, I used to love to watch the Hanna-Barbera cartoon when I was a kid. Uh, it went from 1978 to 1980. And then all of the... Uh, oh, I've got my assistant here, my son, who's taking my props. Thank you, Aiden. All right, uh, and of course I love all the Godzilla movies, and so I still do. Why am I telling you this? Because we come to the end of our series on margin, and this is probably the most important message in this series. This message is about play. Why play? Because we worship a playful God. Maybe you never thought of God as playful. Um, certainly you've known that he's loving, he's merciful, he's compassionate. You've probably heard of the fear of the Lord. You've heard of the wrath of God. If you've studied theology, you know that God is holy, he's omnipresent, he is omniscient, he is omnipotent, but playful. But if you think about it, if you think about it, even God's very act of creation was a form of divine play. He didn't create everything because he needed anything. He did not need anything. He created um, simply out of his sheer love and goodness. Think about it. When we create pieces of art um, or write something or sing a song or put a puzzle together or garden or read a book or play with our kids, um, we're reflecting that same divine creative act 
Uh, our God is a creator, and he created us in his image. Um, and that means we also yearn to create simply for the sheer enjoyment of it. Most churches don't usually place a very high value on play, especially adults. Um, there's a tendency for us to focus on more serious things like Bible study and prayer, holiness, like service, sacrifice, commitment. Um, but play, playfulness, having a playful attitude, um, all of that is connected with the joy that is at the heart of a spirit-filled life. And having a certain playfulness in our life is central to that joy. Um, joy, of course, is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, it's that second one there. And that joy that we experience anticipates the future joy we will have when we are in the presence of the Lord, right? One of our scriptures this morning, she just heard, I want to read it again, Psalm 16, 11, which says this, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. The pleasures of living with you forever. Right? After Jesus' second coming, um, when his kingdom finally comes in all of its glory, in all of its beauty, what will we be like? What will, uh, what will that be like? What will we be like? What will we be doing? The prophet Zechariah, when he was prophesying about that very thing, said this in Zechariah 8.5. He said, And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. Joy, delight, playfulness um, will be core to who we are. Jesus once said that we should learn from children the importance of being childlike. It's our second scripture this morning. It says in Matthew eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. And we're talking about being childlike. We're not talking about being childish. Um, being childlike is more about approaching things as a child would, seeing the world uh, with wonder and trust and being inclined to play. I've mentioned C.S. Lewis in previous messages. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote both theologically deep books on Christian discipleship, um, and he wrote a series of fantasy books called the Chronicles of Narnia. He had some pretty strong words for people who, uh, who said that his love of fantasy and fairy tale was childish. Here's, here's what he, he said. Critics who treat adult as a term of approval instead of as merely a descriptive term cannot be adult themselves. To be concerned about being grown up 
to admire the grown-up because it is grown-up, to blush at the suspicion of being childish. These things are the marks of childhood and adolescence. And in childhood and adolescence, they are, in moderation, healthy symptoms. Young things ought to want to grow. But to carry on into middle life or even into early manhood, this concern about being adult is a mark of really arrested development. When I was 10, I read fairy tales in secret and would have been ashamed if I had been found doing so. Now that I am 50, I read them openly. When I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear of childishness and the desire to be very grown up. Interesting. Leonard Sweet uh, said something similar in his book called The Well-Played Life. He wrote this. The universe is not God at work, but God at play. There is no creation without play. Play is oxygen for the imagination, which sparks creativity, which ignites innovation, which combusts in paradigm shifts. All human creation is recreation. God did not create us to work at life, but to play and find joy in living. When Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, he didn't then spend his time on earth showing us how to work harder to attain life by our own means. He showed us how much God wants to walk with us in the garden and how playing in our relationships, both divine and human, can make life joy unspeakable and full of glory. So the way we think about play and playfulness determines a lot about how we see the world and how we see our role in it. Um, and I would say this, theologically, play points towards a human longing for heaven. Play is the future reality of the kingdom of heaven breaking into the present. Everyday work life without play makes us dull. In the Christian life, serving without a playful relationship with others or even a playful relationship with God, um, I would say leads to spiritual dullness. A playful spiritual life is one that emphasizes joy, um, delight, grace, love, and freedom. Freedom. If you and I are in Christ, we are free, right? We have been saved. We have every reason to express joy and delight. We have every reason to play. I mean, play's too good to be left to children. There's no time when we are so full of life than when we are at play. Um, play and having a playful heart is really at the center of our life in Christ. There is a reality in the spiritual realm um, that is being reflected in the earthly realm, and it's this reality um, that doesn't just deal with what is, uh, but rather with what will be. Play is the spontaneous expression of a free spirit. 
um, of something done purely and only because the person wants to do it. There is no compulsion. No one is being forced to play, right? And there are no ulterior motives in play. Play is done only for its own sake. Um, We are simply taking delight and pleasure in our play. So (laughs) this can be hard to understand uh, in a world and a time where it seems like everything we do is for some purpose. But some things in life shouldn't be done for a purpose. Um, They should be done because of the joy and the delight and the meaning that they bring into our lives. Play doesn't really make sense in a world um, that requires so much work to be done. All too often, we put our rest and we put our play on the back burner for the sake of our work, right? Our primary focus is our work. And it's only when we start feeling tired, start feeling burned out, right, that we start to think, well, maybe I need to rest. Maybe I need to find some hobby or something to uh, something fun to do because uh, I'm feeling drained, I'm feeling burned out. Because certainly um, we should only rest, we should only play if we can justify that we're recharging ourselves so that we can work again, right? But we have it backwards. We have it backwards. We shouldn't rest and play for the sake of our work, like just to recoup and be ready to work again. We should work for the sake of rest and play. So that at the end of the day, we can do those activities that give meaning to our lives. Like playing with our kids. Going on a date night with our spouses. Playing a board game. Doing a crossword puzzle. Hobby. Gardening. Reading. Making music. Making art. Playing sports. Watching sports. Or even playing a video game. Ever play Wii Bowling with your family? Or Just Dance, done that? Or Dance Dance Revolution, you know? So my niece and nephew are staying with us uh, this weekend. They're nine and 10, and they like it uh, when I play Rayman with them on the, on the Nintendo Switch. It's like this fast uh, side-scrolling video game. Me, personally, uh, I like RTS games, real-time strategy games. I got one, yes. Age of Empires, StarCraft. Like, you start with some one little guy, and you build up your whole army, and then you, like, go and fight other armies. That's like, that's my thing. It's going to be real. Okay. Now, I want to say this, because this is important. There are forms of play that are damaging, Uh, And that can lead us into temptation that leads us to sin. And I want to just briefly mention this uh, because it's important to hear this warning. For one, uh, it's wise and biblical to stay away from the occult, okay? Right? Plenty of scriptures that say stay away from that stuff, right? So no Ouija boards, no tarot cards, no uh, going to psychics. Uh, No dabbling in witchcraft or voodoo or anything demonic, right? Um, Those are all things that 
uh, I have seen open the door to bad things. So those are not forms of play that we should dabble in. Another one uh, that we have to be careful with is gambling. Um, I had a friend, very good friend, who came out of a gambling addiction. Um, it can ruin your life, okay? Also be careful uh, when it comes to exposing yourself to um, the sexual imagery that you watch, right? I can't tell you the number of men and women um, I have ministered to who struggled with a porn addiction, okay? Sex addiction, full-blown. None of these are the kind of play I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about constructive play, not destructive play. And you want to be careful that you don't get addicted to certain forms of play, like video games, for instance. Okay, so I think an hour here or there is fine. Um, but when you're up all night playing, it's not good. Like back in the late 90s when I was in grad school, uh, my friend Daniel and I several times stayed up all night. I'm just being real, playing video games. Right? I knew I had a problem when it was 7 a.m. and I had a class at 8 a.m. And I hadn't gone to sleep. I was like, dude, we got a problem. <laughs> we need to stop. Okay? So now I'm, I'm more careful, right? Just to play maybe an hour and then shut it off. Okay? Because I know I can fall down that rabbit hole. So those are some of my warnings about play. Okay? In general, we were created to be beings of play, not to be stuck um, hard at work all the time. Um, there's a reason work is sometimes referred to as soul-destroying. Work is important, but it isn't, it isn't fulfilling our need to be like our creator, our playful God. One of the theologians that we had to read in seminary um, was Jürgen Moltmann. He's a uh, German Reformed theologian. Uh, born in 1926, he's still alive today, and that would make him 96. And I have a quote for you from his book, uh, Theology of Play. Play foreshadows the joy of the eschaton, that's like the end times the, in heaven, where all manner of drudgery and disease and decay and death will be left behind. It is not useless activity. Play is a celebration of life lived to its fullest. In play, we emulate God's actions who did not create the universe because it was necessary or because it was a necessity. God is playful. He enjoys creating and playing. Play revitalizes our over-seriousness toward life filling us with a spirit of joy and delight that carries over into all aspects of our existence. Play is not time out from work, and it is not rest time either. It is kingdom foreshadowing. It is a momentary escape into the future reality that God intended for us all. May God give us grace to resist our Western culture's overemphasis on work and play more for him. It's ironic, but often uh, it's in church where we struggle with this the most. We, get so, we often get so busy that we forget the importance of rest and play. Um, like there's simply just too much work to do, right? Work to do at work, 
work to do at home, work to do with our family, work to do at church. Lots of work, 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 right? But think about it. If work were that important, if work were that important, you would think that it would have been one of the Ten Commandments. But there is no command to work, just an assumption that we'll have to work in life. The only commandment on the subject of work tells us to stop working. And that commandment points back to the creation story, right? Where the only day that's called holy is the day on which the Lord rested. I suspect that this is why the writer of Hebrews alludes to heaven as an eternal Sabbath rest. And I want us to look at this. It's, a, it's about 11 verses, but, but this is important. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news, that God has prepared this rest, has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. And then, I have another scripture for you. We see in uh, Revelation that the new heaven and the new earth uh, is not described as a place of work and activity, um, but really one in which like the people living there I'm spending a lot of time just marveling at the beauty of the place. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 6 say this. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, 
and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. The Bible doesn't focus primarily on our usefulness, what we can accomplish, what work we're supposed to get done in this life. Instead, it focuses on our identity in Christ, our relationship with Christ, our joy in Christ, and by our own enjoyment of Christ and his kingdom. There's an interesting parallel here. Uh, between when God finished creating everything and he said, it's very good. He said, it's very good. And the parallel with uh, when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it's finished. It's finished. So when you think about it, everything that needed to be accomplished really has already been completed. God did it. It was very good, and it is finished. We can relax. We can enjoy our loved ones, our friends, our family. We can enjoy God's creation, and we can play. Now, certainly, we're, we're supposed to work, we're supposed to earn a living, we're supposed to support and care for our family, right? Certainly, God has some kingdom things for us to do. But when we rest, when we play, it's not just about filling our tank so that we can go do more work. Right? It's an activity that should bring us joy. It should remind us of where we've come from Eden, walking in the coolness of the garden with the Lord, and where we're going, heaven, beautiful, majestic. Play, too, uh, is an expression of God's presence in the world. Um, this, this is an important statement, and I want us to like really hear this. One very clear sign of God's absence in a society or a company or a church or a family is the absence of playfulness and laughter. Play isn't an escape. It's the way to release the grip of that busyness and that stress and anxiety, that hold that it has over our lives. I know, I know, I know that God is a playful God. You only need to look around to be able to see it, okay? Take this image, for example. It's coming up. (laughs) The platypus, a silly-looking creature, but an amazing creature. I learned a lot studying the platypus for this message. Um, Did you know... Um, that it has electrolocation. There are 40,000 receptors on its bill that help 
locate its prey. Uh, did you know that it has biofluorescence? Like it glows, it glows, <laughs> a bluish green color uh, when you expose it to black light. Did you know it has venom? Like you see this cute thing, and you're like, go to touch it, and now you're dead, right? <laughs> I don't know how powerful the venom is, um, but the male platypus um, has venom on its back ankle spurs. Okay, or what about this creature? Here's another one. Coming up, there it is. That's called an axolotl. Maybe you play Minecraft. You know Minecraft? The axolotl became famous because of Minecraft. There's axolotls in Minecraft. Tell your kids, your pastor talked about Minecraft this morning. So here's some cool things about axolotls. They're known for their healing ability. Like, they can regenerate whole limbs. They can regenerate eyes, hearts, even parts of their brain. Um, it can also readily accept transplants from another axolotl. Like, you could take the eyes from one and put it on another, and it just accepts it, or the, or the brain, or whatever. It's fascinating. And most importantly... Axolotls are known for their smiles. God must have a playful nature. He must have a sense of humor for these things to exist. Here's a, here's a secular perspective on play. Uh, Renee Brown is, is a favorite author of mine. Um, she's known for research on shame and vulnerability. Really good stuff. Um, she wrote this. Here's a quote. A few, years, a few years ago, I noticed in my research that wholehearted people, my term for men and women with the courage to be vulnerable and live their lives all in, shared something else too. They goofed off. They spent time doing things that to me seemed frivolous, like gardening and reading. I couldn't really wrap my head around it. Were they slackers? Then one day, while I, was watch, while I watched my kids jump on the trampoline in our backyard, it hit me. Wholehearted adults play. Researcher Stuart Brown, MD, describes play as time spent without purpose. To me, this sounds like the definition of an anxiety attack. <laughs> I feel behind if I'm not using every last moment to be productive whether that means working, cleaning the house, or taking my son to baseball practice. But I can't ignore what the research, mine and others, tell us. Play, doing things just because they're fun and not because they'll help achieve a goal, is vital to human development. Brown believes that play is at the core of creativity and innovation. Play can mean snorkeling, scrapbooking, or solving crossword puzzles. It's anything that makes us lose track of time and self-consciousness, creating the clearing where ideas are born. So here's a practical takeaway for you. Um, especially, this is especially for those who um, have not had play as a regular part of your life. Like this, for some, it's like, oh yeah, that's easy. I, I don't have a hard time with that. For others, like this is, this is going to be a discipline for you. 
create a playlist. So write down four or five activities you could do for hours on end. Well, like I said earlier, it could be music, it could be gardening, jigsaw puzzles, board games, whatever. Okay? Here are mine. Transparency. Reading, playing chess, smoking meat, like in a smoker, not like smoker, but smoker. <laughs> Riding my motorcycle, I have a Triumph, it's like a sport touring bike, waiting for it to be warm enough to ride, and watches. You're like, watches? Uh, so one of my hobbies is I like to buy, sell, trade, and fiddle with watches. It's a hobby I picked up uh, after my father passed away in 2017, and I inherited his, his watch. And that was like the first watch in my growing watch collection. So I buy them when they're low, try to sell them uh, when they're high. And basically, it's a, it's a hobby that pays for itself. Here's a picture of me uh, working on a watch. That the glasses with the light and then the big thing like that. So I want to encourage you, carve out time in your calendar and make sure that you prioritize play in your schedule. Particularly play with your loved ones, right? Your family, your friends. Um, it's important. It is so important. I want to close with a, a couple video clips uh, from one of my favorite Jesus movies. Um, it's a movie called Jesus from 1999, and it stars Jeremy Sisto. It's one of my favorites because I think it shows a more human Jesus, a laughing Jesus, a more playful Jesus. Um, so here are two scenes back to back. Uh, the first is when Jesus comes back from being tempted in the desert. He encounters Peter and Andrew. And then we see him at the wedding at Cana. And then the second clip, which will be right after, is right after the crucifixion, when Mary Magdalene announces to the disciples that she has seen the risen Jesus. So let's take a look. He really is the one. It's him. Rabbi! 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 Hey, why do you call me this? We were there, Rabbi, when you were baptized. And John the Baptist called you the Lamb of God. You are the Messiah. Well, are you sure? Yes. No. <laughs> How did you find me? John the Baptist told us where your mother lives. What do you want? To be your followers. Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and see.
you do not approve of my son, why do you follow him? Our people are slaves to Rome. Our freedom fighters are being killed, and this is how he spends his time? He is a man. Yes. And I feel nothing more. We are fishermen. Our brothers are working right now on the Lake of Galilee. We should be there working with them. What for? To make money? Life has got to be more than that. We went looking for answers. We met him. And you follow him. Should we? Yes. Why? <laughs> I am so thirsty. I shall fetch you wine. What's the matter, Andrew? You don't dance. I'll dance. When Israel is free and men are honest. It will be a very slow dance. <laughs> will not come at all if we wait for you. I thought when I found John the Baptist... Andrew! I but he said you were the one. And you spent your time drinking wine and dancing. There is no wine left. Andrew. I'm sorry. I'm disappointed in you. I was only... Jesus. Yes. There is no wine left. Yes, Mother, what concern is that to me? Perhaps you could provide. My hour has not yet come. It is time. It is time for Andrew to John. Perhaps for once. It is time. Mother, my time has not yet come. Jesus will help you with the wine. There is no wine left. Just do exactly what Jesus says. Could you please fill those jugs over there with water? With water? Yes, with water. Yeah? I don't understand. How can you see him? He's dead. No one can run. I've seen him. Is it true, Mary? Yes. It's true. Him. I talked to him. <laughs> this is ridiculous. We saw him crucified. We buried him ourselves. How can he be alive? How could Lazarus be alive? How could blind men see? I'm sorry, but I don't believe that death is conquered that easily. There are too many other possibilities. He is the Son of God. Jesus himself said there would be false prophets. We have to be careful. This could be a trick. Thomas, you must believe. I want to, Mary. Believe me, I want to. But my mind won't let me. I'd have to see for myself. Thomas. I saw him. Are you sure it was him? Did you see the wounds in his wrists? See? She can't be sure. Something else is going on here. Unless I see the mark of the nails, no. Unless I put my finger in the mark of the nails, I will not believe. Peace be with you.
Ames. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. Now go all the world and preach what you have heard. Preach the good news. I am with you. tear up when I see that ending. Modern day Jesus welcoming, embracing, and laughing with the children. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. Play foreshadows the joy of the future reality of the kingdom of heaven. May God give us the grace to resist our culture's overemphasis on work and seriousness. And may we play more for him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that even though you didn't create because you needed anything, you created simply out of your sheer love and goodness. Thank you, Jesus, that you completed the work that needed to be done on the cross and you said, it is finished. And all of us who placed our faith in you and what you did on the cross will be celebrating and delighting and taking joy with a childlike and playful heart for all eternity Lord, because you set us free. You gave us eternal life. You conquered sin and death and the devil and all of his minions. Pray, God, that you would help us to be a church that is so filled with your presence and your spirit that there's just an abundance of joy 
and delight and playfulness and laughter. God, I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.